greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's open in prayer and ask the Lord's blessing on the sermon. Father God, we come before you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would embolden us at this time. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, with great power to be able to resist the forces of darkness in these, the last days, Lord. We pray for everybody here, Lord, that you change our lives, strengthen us and help us to fulfill your will here on the earth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the message of God is fear not. And uh, we're really going to ask the Lord to help us to put aside fear and to be able to move forward with boldness in a world of great darkness. And our opening scripture is 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'd like to encourage the Church of Christ to be bold and strong in the face of many fears in the world at this time. God did not give us armor, a sword and a shield to be absent from the front lines of the great war being waged for the souls of men. He gave it to us for a reason. We need to overcome our fear as believers and take our place in the world today as men and women of God who make a difference. Every Christian ought to be ready to stand up courageously and unashamedly for the Lord in this day of darkness. How inconsistent that a person redeemed by the blood of Christ experiencing saving power should cower before an unbelieving world. We need to overcome our fear and to have the fire of revival burning in our hearts if you want to win this world. You are up against a world that's used to seeing all these latest movies about superheroes, how they throw buses around, you know, whirlwinds, all kinds of things, you know. And they need to see a church of power, you know, or else they're not going to believe. You know, they, they, they believe in their technology. We need to be able to step up for Christ in power in a world of darkness and shine a light so bright that will dispel everything around us, all the darkness. Fear is an emotion and a feeling that all men and women must face in this world. Most, uh, uh, it's, it's terrible to say, never overcome this debilitating force within the church itself. We see disease and uncertainty of the world at the start. I was just saying to Peter and that, that, you know, we have the biggest Karens within the church. You know, we have whole blocks of the Karens that prevent, you know, try and prevent the church from going forward, you know. The fear is within it's deep within. You know, it's, it's, it's quite terrible to see. In our own country, robin barons rule us. Crime is completely out of control. And our financial status has brought us to junk status. So what's the good news? Is there any hope? Where can we find peace in such a time? We who are in Christ know the answer. Psalm 121 uh, verse 1. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I wonder how do people that are without Christ in this world have any hope? What do they turn to? What do they think about in the bitter hours of the morning? What do they think about what's happening in the world today? They drink, they take drugs, and that's how they get through it. Sleeping pills to sleep at night. And, you know, this thing, uh, I've seen it so uh, prevalent amongst Christians at the moment, they can't sleep either for fear and worry. Uh, many, many Christians are drug addicts. They're slaves to the drugs. You know, we've, we've stopped fighting. We've given up. 
We counsel, I spend most of my time counseling Christians and reaching the lost. Trying the hospital. The church is a hospital for Christians. We should be a hospital for the world. We've lost our way. We've lost the power of the Lord in our life and in understanding where we fit in. Luke 21, 25 says, And there'll be signs in the sun, in the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Verse uh, 21, 26, Men's heart failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And that's what the world's face. You think without Christ, what have you got to look forward to? What I've noticed is the unbeliever puts on blinkers today. He pretends nothing's going wrong. He just hopes everything's going to come right. But we are, we are spiraling down to something terrible. Unless the church takes a, 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 a strong stand. At this time, we the church must show a courageous face and attitude as the world crumbles around us. You can't sit at work and say, woe is all of us and how bad things are going. And we are the Christians. And they look at us and they think, well, if you guys have given up, what about us? Psalm 91 verse 7 says, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Talking about plagues and sicknesses. We need to be bold at this time, a shining light. Verse 8, Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. That's a promise of God. I see very few Christians where Psalm 91 is prevalent in them. Very few. I see plagues coming near their dwellings. I see fear. I see them going nowhere, wandering around like the world. And this should, ought not to be so. We must learn to be brave and help a world that's falling into hell. Our witness must be brave and courageous. And we must win as many people as we can while there's still time. How are you doing with reaching the lost? And I can ask this in any church across the board. Ask the Christians, how are you doing in reaching the lost? How many people have you won to the Lord even in the last year? And the answer, sadly, is no. We're so busy trying to make it through on our own, so scared every day and worried, that we've forgotten about the lost and those that are without. Jude 1.20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a powerful church? Praying in the power of God. Believing that our prayers will come to pass. For many pray, but few believe that what they pray is actually going to come to pass. We must be a church on fire. Keeping, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. On some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. This picture of a holy and church that's full of the power of God, that when they pray, things happen. Actually, God answers our prayers. And we go where the sick and the dying and the broken are, and we reach out to them and we pull them out the fire, not partaking of their sins or being part of what they're looking for. We are a holy church full of God's power and authority. But how do we who are also broken learn to overcome fear? What is bravery and courage in a world gone mad? 
It is interesting to read modern writers on the subject of courage because they give you some interesting definitions. For instance, one that is often quoted goes this way. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. General Patton said, courage is fear that holds on for one more minute. Franklin P. Jones said it this way. Courage is the ability not to let people know how scared you are on the inside. <laughs> Captain A. Riddenbacher put it this way. Courage is doing what you're afraid to do. Where there is no fear, there is no courage. Think about the definition. It is the ability to face and deal with a dangerous or difficult situation. So I ask you and challenge you, how much courage do you have? It is interesting to think about the images of courage. Most of the popular images of courage have to do with men fighting on a battlefield. It's the soldiers coming ashore at Omar Beach. It's the Marines landing on Iwo Jima. It's the 300 Spartans at Thermopylae fighting a million men. It's Horatio holding the bridge alone against an entire army to save Rome. And I love this verse, and I quote it wherever I can. Then outspoke brave Horatius, the captain of the gate, to every man upon this earth, death comes soon or late. And how can a man die better than facing fearful odds for the ashes of his father and the temples of his gods? Now this unbeliever could think like that, that he's prepared to give his life for his idols. What about us as Christians? That we will be prepared to take on anything and to stand for anything for Christ. These are the popular images of courage. They have to do with warfare and bloodshed and the crash of armies on the battlefield. I don't deny or doubt in the least that those things are in part what courage is all about. However, if that's all what courage means, most people are left out because most won't be literally on the battlefield. So what is courage? I think what courage is, is a family dealing with terminal cancer. It's a single mother struggling to raise a family. It's a widow who faces the last years of her life without her beloved husband by her side. It's a child of divorce struggling with self-image, doubt, anger, and feelings of rejection. It's a single person who chooses purity over promiscuity. It's an engaged couple who will wait even though the world says go ahead. It's an employee who sees something wrong, greed or corruption, and has the courage to blow the whistle. It is a mother facing difficult surgery. It's all these mothers I see around us who have the courage to go on when the men have left them alone. It's a mother whose husband is abusive and she has the courage to leave against great odds for the protection of her children and going to the world totally alone. A church in our area did a survey of the homes around the church. 70% of the houses around them were single women bringing up children whose husbands had deserted them. Isn't that absolutely shocking? Where are we church? Where are we to the world? Where are our shields and swords for those single mothers? What do those things have in common? Four things. Number one, bravery in the face of danger. Two, steadfastness in the face of opposition. Three, action in the face of resistance. Four, optimism, optimism in the face of despair. The first one says, I won't be afraid. The second one says, I won't give up. The third one says, I won't be intimidated. And the fourth one says, I won't lose heart. It's amazing 
how much the Bible has to say on the subject. But the most important thing concerning fear is this. Luke 12 verse 4. And this I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid, Jesus said, of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you shall fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. We are to learn to fear God alone and drive all other fears from the battlefields of our life. Joshua 167 says, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. If we're going to be strong and courageous in the Lord, we cannot be successful. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? That command resonates to us. And our forefathers have shown it in the, in the, in the paths that they have walked. But it's, the torch has been thrown to us. Have I not commanded you, the Lord says, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. In the bitter hours of the morning, don't be terrified. Do not be discouraged under any circumstances. Doesn't matter if everything's going hard for you. Doesn't matter where you find yourself. Do not be discouraged, the Lord says. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. There's a familiar passage in Psalm 27, 1-3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when the enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Isn't that an incredible scripture? No matter what's coming ahead for us, we're not afraid. We don't care what's coming. We were born for a time like this. We shall face it with Christ. And we shall face it with our armor on, our swords ready and our shields. And we will not be afraid. And we will give protection to those that are afraid. Our text says, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear. If you're in a place of fear... God did not give that to you. The enemy gave it to you. But a spirit of power, isn't that so incredible power, dunamis, dynamite power, of love and of self-discipline. 1 John 4, 8 says, perfect love drives out fear. If you're still a Christian and you're many years in the faith and fear is affecting your life, you need to recognize that there's a problem because God's spirit drives out fear. You should be getting braver and braver as the years go by. If not, you need to go for prayer or for some counsel. We ought to read our Bible sometime and count the number of times God says, fear not. The people who count such things have counted the fear nots in the King James Version of the Bible. They tell us there are 365 fear nots. That is, there is one fear not for every day of the year. You think God has been trying to tell his people something. So I want to give you four steps to dealing with fear. These four steps will help you move from fear to faith, cowardice to courage. Number one, remember your position. Proverbs 28 verse 1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous are bold, not the wicked. The wicked are scared to death. The first step to courage is to remember who you are in Jesus Christ. 
And to remember that in Christ you are strong, victorious, accepted, justified, redeemed, saved, and completely forgiven. Your sins have been washed away. You are seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenlies. You are justified, therefore you are righteous. You were born for courage and not for fear. The 2 Timothy scripture that we are quoting tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear. If you have a spirit of fear, timidity or anxiety, it didn't come from God. God does not give his, spirit, uh, his people that kind of spirit. Every Christian ought to be ready to stand up courageously and unashamedly for the Lord. How inconsistent that a person redeemed by the blood of Christ should cow before an unbelieving world. On one occasion, Frederick the Great invited some notable people to his royal table, including his top-ranking generals. One of them, by the name of Hans van Zieten, declined the invitation because he wanted to partake of communion at his church. Sometime later at another banquet, Frederick and his guests mocked the general for his religious scruples and made jokes about the Lord's Supper. In great peril of his life, the officer stood to his feet and said respectively to the monarch, my Lord, there is a greater king than you, a king to whom I have sworn allegiance even unto death. I am a Christian man and I cannot sit quietly as the Lord's name is dishonored and his character belittled. The guests trembled in silence, knowing that Van Zieten might be killed. But to their surprise, Friedrich grasped the hand of this courageous man, asked his forgiveness and requested that he remain. He promised that he would never allow such a travesty to be made of sacred things. In, way like the, in ways like this, the gospel is passed from one to another. We need courageous people to stand up in your schools and your universities when the darkness is great and take a stand for Christ, no matter what the cost. And we don't see that much anymore. Where are our champions? Where are our champions? You know, we're getting older now. The younger generation, you need to stand up for Christ. Brothers and sisters, I'll say the same thing to you. You are born for courage, for bravery, for strength to be an overcomer. God has given you spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You were not born to be a loser. You were born through Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit to be victorious over your problems, struggles and trials of life. An older Christian who's walked a long way will often, when you ask him, how's it going with you? And you know that he's going through a hard time, you know, that he's, he's going through difficulties. You know, and you'll ask him, how's it going with you? And you'll say, you'll smile and you'll say, it's going hard, but I'm trusting the Lord. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm believing God and it's okay. Two, we need to confront our fears. Remember the text, the wicked flee where no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You'll be gripped with fear until you decide to confront it. Fear will win every day until you stand up. Look at fear straight in the face and say, you are not going to win over me anymore. By the help of God and with the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to win against you. And you will never win unless you rise up and confront that thing that is dragging you down. Courage is nothing more than seeing the fear and taking action against it. How many of you know the 95% rule of worry? It goes like this. 95% of the things you worry about won't happen. God has given us a sound mind so that we can look at our problems. He's given us power so we can overcome. And he's given us love so we can respond in his character. There is no reason for a child of God to be gripped and destroyed by any form of fear. 
I grew up in a house of fear and torture from a young age, and I knew what crippling fear meant all my life. I understood fear long before I was a Christian. I understood it was a thing of darkness and a horrendous thing. All of my life I knew what fear was until Jesus rescued me. I knew what fear was like. I did more and more dangerous things in my life to try and overcome this. I read the great stories of the knights and, the, and all the great stories. I think I read the Lord of the Rings when I was 11 years old. Trying to overcome and face this thing in my life that I hated so much. So I always do bold and stupid things to show others that I had no fear. But inside of me, there was something lurking that I couldn't get rid of. I remember watching the film on Bruce Lee, and he was, you know, the year of our day. And at night in his dreams, a demon would come and visit him dressed like a samurai warrior. This is a true story. All of his life, his family was cursed. This thing used to visit him and I dressed like a samurai warrior and then take him on in a fight and beat him up badly never won and then he died of that headache and many think the thing got him in the end that killed him he didn't win his last fight but when i saw that movie i knew exactly what he was talking about that demon of fear that i'd fought against my whole life when i was born again jesus destroyed the enemy within and the only fear i have now is to fear god alone fear god fear the word fear nothing should be our flag that we fly Number three, I don't know how much time is doing, uh, you have to do okay. Number three, censor your input. A healthy mind is absolutely essential to getting free from fear. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. There's a negative, negative side to this and a positive side. The negative side is that you have to cut the negative people out of your life. Those who are dragging you down. You probably have people telling that you can't do it and it can't be done and it won't work. You can't allow people like that in your life. You've got to surround yourself with believers, Christians that believe like you, that talk like you, that can encourage you in your times of trouble. Caesar Castellanos started a small church in Bogota. It grew to 650,000 people in a drug-filled and dangerous city. I don't know if you know his story. They threatened the drug trade. The church grew so big. The, the president of the nation had to come to the church to ask them to help them vote things in and out. The church was making a difference in this most wicked city. This, the drug leaders did not like at all. They threatened the drug trade greatly. And I quote from his own church site. On Sunday in May 1997, a motorcycle pulled ahead of Pastor Caesar and his family as they were stopped at a red light. The rider drew a machine gun and opened fire on the car. Pastor Caesar took five shots and his wife Claudia was shot once. The children were unhurt. This vicious attack shocked the evangelical world. Yet the fervent prayers that followed this ghastly attack resulted in the glory of God. God healed Pastor Caesar and Claudia and there isn't any noticeable sign that Caesar was ever wounded. Um, the doctors were amazed that the bullet passed through his neck without hitting his voice box or spine, while another shot would have pierced his heart and his watch not deflected it away. But I heard Claudia's wife tell the real story at a conference in Pretoria a couple of years back. She said it was so shocking. He was, he was dying when they took him in. He was riddled with bullets and he was dying. And she said she would not have it. 
She was covered in blood. She was shot herself. Baggy. She walked into that and she said, my husband will not die in Jesus' name. She says the doctors came to her and said, he's going to die. We cannot save him. You know, you must prepare yourself for this. She said, he will not die. I am trusting the Lord for his life. She said she drove everybody from her presence that would say that her husband was going to die. She wouldn't even allow anybody into a room in a church that would say anything to the negative. She only allowed a very close-knit group near her who stood with her and said, Caesar shall live and he shall not die. She drove all, all people who spoke negatively out of her life. And Caesar lived. And the doctor had said, if Caesar lives, I will become a Christian. I will come to a church. And he did become a Christian. You know, we need to walk in the power of the Lord. Drive those that are talking nonsense out of your life. Censor your input so you're not listening to people who are feeding your fears. The positive side is Romans 12 too. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I had to do that. I was a very negative person when I came to Christ. You know, I was pessimistic, you know what I mean? And God taught me to turn that around. Speak confidently about the things of God. You know, we never defeated. We're never going to give up. Colossians 3, 2 says, tells us to set our minds on things above where Christ dwells with God in heaven. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Psalm 119, verse 165 says, Great peace of they which love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. This will work for you, but you will have to make it work. Put the word of God in one ear and fear will go out the other ear. Fill your mind with the word of God and you won't have time to dwell in the depths of overcoming fear. If you have a specific fear, find out everything that the Bible has to say about it. Write it down. Stick it up on your mirrors. Confess it constantly. Put it in your cars. Speak it until it is gone. For go, it must go. If against the word of God. I've learned in my 35 years in the faith that fear the emotion has always been a lie. It's never been true. How many times did the thing that you feared come to pass? That dark alleyway that you were going to go down and suddenly fear gripped you. You know what I mean? Or that your business was totally ruined and you're going to be on the streets. Well, I've been in all those places. And never did any of those things actually happen. But I felt the fear sometimes staying awake till the early hours of the morning. Being overwhelmed by the enemy reading my Bible till I feel better. Praying until I feel better and go back to sleep again. The enemy tries to put this fear into your life of your future, of what's happening. You're not to give up, ever. We'd rather die than give up. So the devil's kingdom is ruled by fear. Look at the gangs of this world or the mafia. That's a typology of what devil's kingdom looks like. Fear rules those gangs and that, that whole world of his. If you don't do what they tell you to do, we'll kill you. If you don't listen, we'll kill your family. Fear rules everything in the dark kingdom. But not God's kingdom. God's kingdom works by love. God will not warn you by the same terrifying feeling of fear. I've learned that in all my years. You won't get that clawing fear in you. That's not God talking to you. That's the flesh or demons that's talking to you now. God will tell you not to do something if you mustn't do it. 
He'll tell you, and you don't walk down that street. There won't be any fear attached. God will command you to do something, and you'll know that's the right thing to do. But that fear is always dark, devilish, and demonic, and it needs to be resisted in our lives. So we've got to understand, when we fear God, we fear Him. When we talk about fearing God, we fear Him as a child who loves His Father, who fears to disobey Him and suffer the consequences, but we still know He loves us. I didn't understand that until I had my own children. You know, I didn't understand the, that kind of fear. I love my kids. I come home when they're little, they come jump on my knee. They tell me about their day. Mother's already told me I know everything what they're going to say, but you like listening to them. You know, and you love them. It's a great relationship, but they know they mustn't step with outside the boundaries because then they're going to get a hide. But they know I love them and we have a great relationship. You see, and then I understood God. It's exactly the same. God is love. He's the father you come home to. One who puts you on your knees, wants to hear your day, who knows everything that you've done already, wants to talk to you about your life and where you're going, listen to you talking nonsense. You know, he knows it all. But he's the same God who tells us not to do certain things. Because he knows better. And if you're going to do those things, he's going to have to discipline you in love. And that's the fear of God compared to the fear of the devil. Number four, cultivate your love. You have to live in such a way as if fear didn't exist. You can't stop how you're feeling. Notice that you cannot stop feeling fear because we have the flesh. And you can't stop that feeling, but you can act as if you have no fear. When we're in the army, we've got the command to attack. Now, battlefield is the noisiest and most frightening place for those that, that, that are here that have been there. Bullets are flying, bombs are dropping, RPGs are going. Uh, you can hear the whiz of bullets around you. It's the most terrifying place to enter into. But you've been trained that when that whistle blows, you go. You go, you don't care. You're just looking straight ahead of you. Bombs are exploding. The ground's erupting next to you. But you just keep on. The guy next to you disappears. You don't know what happens to him. Don't worry about it. You just keep going. You're trained to do to attack. It's the same with faith. Under fire, with doubts, with fear, when things overwhelm you at night, keep going forward. Go through the battlefield. Sometimes all you can see is God's word in front of you. You just can't even trust to look to the left or the right. You can't look. You have to just keep God's word in front of you, reading it, confessing it, and trusting in the Lord while your whole life seems to fall apart around you. But I want to tell you in 35 years, you come through it, and then it's peace again. And you find that battle was won, that you held the ground, that nothing was as bad as it seemed, God delivered you. God set you free. You paid your rent. You got through the month. Your business is still there. And even if your business is still not there, you've got a new one starting. There's a new world. Nothing ever seems as bad as it is if you put your eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on the Lord. So, so obedience in the kingdom looks like this. Fact, faith, feeling. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. Fact, God's word tells us what to do. Faith, apply your faith to it and don't worry about how you feel about it. Feelings come later. We do that with love. We can't love the great unwashed and the dirty of the world. 
sometimes it's disgusting to us. You know what I mean? You come to the sky, it's like yesterday. But God's word tells us we must love it. So we obey it. We go to him with food and drink. We bend down to him. We give it to him. We, we apply our faith. And as you're doing it, God changes your heart for him. Suddenly you do love him. But you didn't when you started. Everything about God's kingdom is like that. Everything is faith first. You know what I mean? And a, 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 a fact, faith, feeling. It's always in that way. And you'll find you overcome. One John 4, verse 18 says, Perfect love casts out fear. So you can either have the love of God, you can have fear generated by Satan. But you can't have them both dominating your life at the same time. Either fear will push the love out, or the love of God will push the fear out. So, how do we do that? Thank God for the thing that is causing you to fear. Don't worry about it. Like, I'm just praising God in this situation right now. You know what I mean? You know, I've met older Christians say, they actually thank God in the midst of tribulation. Real old souls, old warriors of the faith. You, you go to them, they just say, how are you going? He smiles, he says, I just praise God. I've lost my business. I've got no money. But you know what? God's going to deliver me. And I can't wait to see how he's going to do it. Not today. The Christians come walking in, hobbling. Oh, American, I've lost everything. That's not the way we approach the things of God. He knows the word of God and God's going to pull him through and he did. So we're going to thank God for it. Because God's going to show something great to you through this. List the blessings that are coming to your life because of the thing that you fear so badly. When I lose all my work, what do I do now? I double my prayer time. I go to the beach with my Bible. I spend like an hour on the beach just keeping my faith strong. I'm praying more than ever. Christians are going to every meeting now because you've got time. You had no time when you were too busy. You understand? Our lives are in the hands of God, not in the hands of the world. Sometimes the Lord allows that for you to get refocused again. And when I started to learn that, I found the two weeks of tribulation I went through easy. Every day I was praying. Every day I was doubling my prayer time, my quiet times. I'm doing things for the Lord. I'm going through the day. And at the end I came out like I went in still full of faith. And then everything came back to pass again and we carried on like normal. And you wondered, it doesn't seem like anything's changed. God just changes everything else. So we've got to list our blessings and stand uh, in times of, of fear and of uh, hard times. Go to war against fear in your life. If you do not, and I want to warn the church this now because I'm in the ministry a long time. Across the world I've seen this. Fear resides in the heart of the faithful. All kinds of fears and they never deal with it. If you do not deal with the fear in your life, it will deal with you. It's a chink the enemy owns in your life and he will use it against you at some time. If you remain terrified of cockroaches 20 years into the faith or 10, you're going to be preaching a fire sermon one day to thousands of people and the, cock the devil's just going to drop a cockroach on the roof right onto you and you're gone. <laughs> because you never learn to overcome that fear. The devils know your fear more than anybody else. And, the, and I've, I've watched how he uses it. He, he, he waits in the shadows a long time. Long time he waits until you can do the most damage to the kingdom of God. Then he hits you. 
because you never dealt with it. Fear of dogs, fear of darkness, fear of fish, fear of shark. Whatever your fears, you need to address it. Otherwise, you're going to come dressed as that shark in your dreams tonight. And you're running again. We cannot give the enemy any gap in our lives. Now, God's not angry because we have fears. We're all damaged. We come from the world. We're broken. We're hobbling into the kingdom. You know what I mean? We've been abused, tramped on. Fears come through many things we've seen in our life. And God understands that. But once we are born again, we need to become whole. You can't stop where you are right now with those fears. You need to drive it out your life. Like we drive out temptations and sin. We've got to win the battlefield by war in, in Jesus' name. So, brothers and sisters, that's what courage is. It's facing and dealing with the impossible situations of life and believing in God, still rejoicing in His goodness. I, I, want you, I don't want you to add courage today. You already have it. God put it in you the moment that you came to Christ. Use the courage that God has given you. You already have victory through Jesus Christ. Now live in it. Enforce it. Devils are, are rebels. They always break the things of God. And sometimes you've got to enforce God's kingdom in a situation. People have a wrong understanding on this. They say the devil was defeated. He sees, but he's a rebel. And, and he attacks and does things he's not supposed to do. And then Christians stand there, gasp, why is the devil attacking me? But you have, God has already got the victory for you. Drive him from the battlefield. And it doesn't mean two minutes driving. It means going to the word of God. Because they've entrenched nine positions. Military positions against them. Sometimes you've got to push hard against them. And you've got to confess and stand and then they break. You've got to, this is an enemy. They're not shooting rubber bullets. So that is courage standing up against them. Name your fear. You already know what it is. Go and write it down. Talk to somebody about it. Pray for one another that you may be healed. You know what I mean? Go talk to a brother you trust. Say, I've got this terrible thing in my life. Address it. Make a decision this week and confront it and not run away. What would your life be like if that fear doesn't exist? So many Christians here say, I can't speak to people. I can't speak publicly. Well, then how are you going to win the lost? I was terrified to speak publicly. I was a I could speak on one on one or two, but speaking from a pulpit was, a, it was not a natural thing for me to do. It was one of the hardest things I ever had to do in my entire life. Was to go stand in front of 200 church and, and give my testimony. It was the most, one of the most fearful things that I ever had to do. But God's word says it. So you go trembling all the way to the front. And then I mumbled over my sermon a little bit, but then the boldness came. And then it was okay. You know, you, you have to take the first step. Alright. Go out and the Lord will be with you. Lift up your head with hope and confidence in Almighty God. That whatever is thrown your way, you can face. Take courage. Be strong and courageous for the Lord is with you. Fear not, children of God. Coming to an end now. Many of you recognize the name of J. Hudson Taylor. Or especially here. I have to say that in other churches. <laughs> I have to say that here. You know who Hudson Taylor was. Who founded the China Inland Mission 100 years ago. During the terrible, terrible days of the Boxer Rebellion, when missionaries were being killed and captured, 
He went through such agony of soul that he could not pray. Remember, it was his mission organization. Women, people's families, children were getting, young people that had come out to the mission were being murdered in the streets. And he was having to answer these families as the role came through. I think he was still in England when the Boxer Rebellion broke out. And they heard these people getting murdered in the streets, left, right and center. And Hudson Taylor had to answer the families who were coming to his door saying, where's my child, where's my boy, where's my daughter? You know, freaking out. And he said he went through such an agony of soul that he could not pray. Writing in his journal, he summarized his spiritual condition this way. I can't read, I can't think, I can't pray, but I can trust. As that's what took him through that situation. I don't know where this poem comes from, but it's, it didn't have an author. It says, when God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man, when God wants to mold a man to play the noblest part, when he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man, that, that all the world shall be amazed. Watch his method, watch his ways, how he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects. How he hammers him and hurts him and with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay which only God understands. While his tortured heart is crying and he lifts beseeching hands, how he bends but never breaks when his good he undertakes. How he uses whom he chooses with every purpose fuses him. By every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what he's about. You're in the Lord's hands. There's nothing in your life that God does not know about. Your journey that you're walking, sometimes the enemy that smashes us, sometimes God allows what comes into our life to, to pass. But if we keep our eyes on him, we'll be okay. And you will be okay. 35 years, I think Peter's been much longer a Christian than I've been. We'll all tell you that. Every old Christian can tell you that. I think of uh, Alexander the Great, you know. They, they, when he was a young man, they, there was a horse no one could ride, a big black horse. And uh, he said, he noticed that this horse was scared of its shadow. So he said, I'll ride it. And he jumped up in front of the king and everybody turned the horse's head into the sun. And the horse stopped immediately and, and he was able to ride it. It became his great horse, Persepolis, you know, through all his campaigns. But us in trouble, if we put our eyes on the son, Jesus Christ, we'll be okay. Through many trials and tribulations that I've gone through, when all, and we have been through terrifying trying times, as are many of you that are sitting here, sometimes all I've been able to do is look to Christ and not look anywhere else. In my prayer time, just look to the Christ, look to Christ, look to Christ, and stay looking to Him until I feel His deliverance, until I feel better and can carry on. You'll be okay, my friend, if we put our trust in Christ. So I'm going to end with, Fear God, fear the word, fear nothing. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.